Hello and welcome to This Board Game Life, episode number 17, Dominant Creatures Big and Small. This Board Game Life is a proud independent board gaming only podcast guilty of proliferation of the virus that is board gaming. We issue this warning against listening to our podcast. You will become infected. There is no antidote for board gaming. You've been warned. This is Jeff, your board game epidemiologist. And with me is Rob, one of the more infected and contagious board gamers around. Wow. <laughs> I will say, Rob, I've been very pleased with the listener count on our last several shows. Sustained uh, quite quite impressive numbers, far more than I, I would have ever imagined. Even beyond the last time I said it was far more than I ever would have imagined. So, I know, right? I mean, it's it's been awesome. I mean, the, just the feedback that we've gotten from people alone has been amazing. You know, we've only been doing this for a couple months now. You know, even though we kind of started planning this at the beginning of the year, we've only been recording for what about four months, maybe? Yeah, since uh, since late February. Yeah, so it's only been a couple months, and I mean, we're pretty much rivaling what we've done over at uh, this Xbox Life, uh, the other show that uh, I'm on, sister show. And, yeah, sister show. Uh, it's just been a great experience so far and you know thanks to everybody that's contributed so far you know thanks to everybody for listening you know it's awesome thanks guys i I like to think that board gaming just did in the uh the console world so you know i i wouldn't be surprised you know a lot of people still don't know about board gaming but there's a lot of people out there that used to be avid video gamers that are kind of like I don't say they're moving on, but well, they're looking for the next step. I, I had always been into both, and I, and I'll say uh, there was a point I had four consoles, and I've I've sold my second Xbox, I've sold my Wii, I'm in the process of selling my my PS3, and I'm really I'm only keeping my uh, my 360s around because of Connect and and possibly what I can do you know play with my son. Uh, right. That, that's really it. And then PC gaming wise, I don't even really play the uh, the the war games or any of that that type of stuff like I used to. Uh, no MMOs, nothing. So there's really no PC gaming. Uh, the only electronic stuff I do is on the iPad, and that's of course all board games still. So I don't really even think of that as uh, electronic gaming. Well, you know what that means, right? What's that mean? You're infected. I am. <laughs> in the worst way of, with board games. So to to the extent that I, I can't, you don't seem to even enjoy the video game stuff anymore. You know, I, I find myself playing less and less uh, the video games. And even Diablo 3, which just came out a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I loved Diablo 1 and 2. I was so hooked into them. There's a similar game called Torchlight. I played the heck out of it. And Diablo 3 came out, and I was kind of like, hmm. You know, this is fun. You know, I, I like it. Click, 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 click. You know, it's fun. Click, 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 click. It's And that's... And then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, because I've got my bookshelves of all my games behind me. And I'm, you know, I turn over and I look at it. And I'm like, hmm, let me, uh, let well, me do a, a, you know, a little play test of this one here. See if I can figure out the rules. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is the... The electronic games have just been more samey for me, and, it, and it's different when you're younger, and, and some of those experiences I think are newer still. But after after the fiftieth shooter, and you're trying to argue for the nuances of difference, right? Well, no, 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 because this one you, you 
I don't even know a good example anymore, right? Okay, you can you can peek out around the corner, you know, ooh, that that changes the whole experience. It's just after after so many of them, they they just all seem completely the same. Uh, oh yeah, and, you know that does happen a little bit in board games, but what you know, I think the difference is though is because you the typical game electronic game is more physical, more dexterous. And therefore, after repetition, it's just there's not as much satisfying about that as compared to more of the mental exercise that is most of board gaming, which they're more cerebral. Yeah, which can still be fun, even even if uh, one game to the next, uh, as as releases are not ingenuitive enough or differentiated enough from other ones, that it still doesn't seem as just really another, you know, I got a shotgun, I got another chain gun, you know, whoopee. You know, some of them are engaging. Like, I've got to say that I'm really looking forward to Borderlands 2. It's coming out in about two months, middle of September. Yeah, I... But, you know, beyond that, I'm really looking forward to more board game stuff the, I mean, than I am video The last one I really got into was Space Marine, just because it the theming you know i had the 40k background mm-hmm. and getting to play as a space marine and use all the all the space marine 40k stuff the jetpacks and the thunder hammer you know, see i'm already getting names wrong it's been so long um but i actually played that through to completion and that's really rare that a game holds my interest to play it all the way through to completion and then of course that was i picked that up around the time skyrim came out and that a lot of board gamers were lost to that including a certain jeremy um, and I did actually take a, a pretty long break from board games. I want to say a better part of three weeks, I might've almost not played a single one. No way. Yeah. It's, it's about the longest since I, I, I've gotten back into it. But even then, you know, the, the time in between plays started getting a little bit longer with, with Skyrim. And then ultimately I just like, nah, I don't even, I, I haven't even felt like putting the CD back in. I just, it's, cool in one way but you know, you know in a way the same as another i know this has been brought up a lot of times but you just don't get that like the tactile feeling and the camaraderie i don't know if that's a good way to put it or the socialization yeah you know, and, and you know, know. you get and and i know on xbox live for example i mean you can have parties you can chat together sure. but it's not the same thing as sitting across the room yeah and even i mean even with the game you know we talk about flavor text and, and bad board games but you know sky you know you, the, the characters are talking to you and such and i mean sometimes i guess parts of the story are interesting but most of the time it's just like well, you could just as soon click through it and kill whatever it is and do this, do that, and it's it's just really going through the motions, and that's that's what has just bored me to death with MMOs and fantasy games and shooters and really the whole gamut of of electronic games. Uh, like you said, anything that really doesn't have that cerebral element. And so, if I'm going to spend the time, then I'm going to have that and or the social element, right? So you have really both of those present in board games, and just none of that for the most part in the other ones. So, yeah. And I just think it's kind of funky how, you know, for those that don't remember, I think we covered this in episode one, but uh, Jeff and I have known each other for, what, about 14 years now? 15, I think we called it. 15? Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's been about 15 years now. And I remember pretty vividly how it was probably 13, 14 years ago. Uh, we were at work and, you know, you were telling me all about your EverQuest <laughs> stuff that you were doing. It was and probably I, I Ultima was probably Online at you. the time, but yeah. And then going I remember EverQuest because uh, you were like really big into that I was, at one point. Yep. Yeah, guild and, leader and pretty much all of the MMOs I've played, I've sort of ended up that way. Yeah, because we used to talk video games back in the day and I was probably talking about Diablo or Command & Conquer or something, yeah. you know, whatever that was at that time. Yeah. And or Warcraft, and and here we are all this time later. We're talking about board games. I'm, I'm, I'm getting misty. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Okay, so I mean, on to some newsworthy little bits. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got just two things I wanted to mention. One is, as okay. as everyone probably knows, the biggest uh, gaming convention in the U.S. board gaming convention, anyway. Well, Not E three. Yeah, Gen Con is what I'm talking about. It's coming up here soon, about a month from now. Ooh. And I did, as I uh, had hoped to do, take a took a trip this past weekend down to Indianapolis just to scope out the whole area. You did? I did. Yeah, seriously. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. More so, uh, I, I took the family because my, my family's not going to be going with me this year to Gen Con. And, uh, you know, probably next year they, they will again. Uh, so uh, so I took took my family down there. We, we hit up the Children's Museum, which is absolutely wonderful. If anyone is bringing their family and wants to kill a day, it is the, uh, the number one rated one in the entire United States and uh, worthy of the... Uh, of that rating, so big interactive Hot Wheels thing, big interactive Lego thing, and so on. So, cool. dinosaurs. It was really neat. My son really loved it. Uh, we also went to the zoo and some other things, but I was also scouting out a little bit about areas and hotels and stuff because I, I didn't want to pay quite the downtown rates uh, this time, and so I was trying to look for you know a good hotel at a good price that was new, clean, had everything I wanted, and. I was very successful in finding that, and so I've uh, I've since canceled my uh, prior reservations and and uh, reserved a, a different hotel. Uh, incidentally, not the exact one we stayed in; that one was sold out, but the same chain elsewhere. Okay, and that's all I really had to say on that. But so, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, I, I mean, otherwise for Gen Con, uh, my my plan this year, as many many people who I've seen. Uh, posting about it is basically just to to stick to the dealer hall uh, probably Thursday maybe some other times do some demos of, of new games and and then otherwise I just bought out the board game room so I've got all all the passes and plan to be hanging out in the official board game slash library board game library room pri- primarily playing whatever new stuff I've bought and bringing along games that I uh, don't get played enough, which uh, probably will trend a little bit more to the Amerifun side just because those are typically a little bit longer games that are more suited to trying to get played at a con. And I'll, I'll probably leave the lighter, quicker ones at, at home that are, that are again, easier to get played. So, um, so yeah, I'll be, I'll okay. be, I'll be, you know, carrying around Game of Thrones second edition and maybe, 
you know, I don't know, Rune Wars or something like that. That kind of stuff. Maybe even Twilight Imperium. Maybe I'll bring my copy out. I, I don't know. And if I don't bring them, I'll certainly be looking to play them and then um, fill in in between with uh, all my favorite Euros or whatever anybody's got got going there. So Cool. That's, okay. that's that. The other thing, which actually just kind of came up today, and and somebody uh, had posted on Board Game Geek about a, an Indiegogo project they had launched, and incidentally, now Indiegogo is international, right, or is it European well, version of Kickstarter? They're from Canada, so I, I suppose it would be an international okay. one. The European one, I think, is the Ulili or whatever that is one <laughs> okay have you seen that one yeah because there's three yeah. of them well i don't i don't know much about that third one I, I i know obviously a lot about kickstarter i've backed a bunch of games there i've read through most if not all of their rules regulations and i'm very very well schooled in it and indiegogo i had looked into considerably in the past as well though i've never backed anything there and for good reason so that's really what i wanted to mention today i don't think everyone is aware of one or both of the differences with Indiegogo versus Kickstarter. And I think they're important differences. And in fact, one of a few reasons I gave this person for why their board game only has $550 in, in uh, funding out of a $23,000 goal. So uh, the first is probably the smaller offense, which is that Indiegogo does not allow you to cancel your pledge once it's made. And this is... A problem for me because I do, as many people uh, do, like to back early on, and then as and and this game would be another good example. The rules aren't posted. There's really just five pieces of artwork and a brief description of the game, not even a video, right? So if I go, okay, I like the art. I very much like the art. I like the sound of the game, but I'm kind of expecting in the 40 days left that there's going to be some more information that gets posted. Well, what if that information now is not in line with what interests me. I know with Kickstarter, oh, not a problem. I can back out at any time. I, I've just committed, you know, as as things are at this point, I'm committed. Very much the same thing happens with GMT. In fact, GMT encourages that. Go ahead. We want to get a gauge for how many people would be interested in this game. Pledge your support. They don't collect the money again. and And then if later on you know they'll announce okay we're going to be collecting the money at this point you have a kind of a final opportunity to to back out of it if now after more information has come out uh, or the artwork or whatever it might be you're no longer interested and so that that i think affects indiegogo a bit for those that are aware of it you have to be a lot more certain because once you commit there's no uh, pulling out of it Um, so that that's you've backed on kickstarter right yeah a couple of times so i mean is that You've never canceled, I, I think, though, right? Didn't we talk about that once? Uh, there was one thing that I had put in a pledge, and I immediately withdrew okay. it. Well, there um, you go. I did back three successful projects. I don't know if I would do any more. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I would not. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more reserved now. I've backed maybe 10 or 12, and I've only received one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... I have canceled two, and 
and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for the ability to be able to cancel those two. So uh, the, it does increase the likelihood of me backing Kickstarter that I would be able to cancel up until... Well, the, I think they only the only restriction with Kickstarter, just so I'm all inclusive of rules, you can't actually cancel within the last 24 hours if you canceling would cause them not to have met their goal, which is fair, right? I mean, nobody can be the, the buzzkill. Okay. Okay, so so that's a minor infraction with Indiegogo, really in comparison to the next one, which is the real zinger, the one that I, I've almost never seen anyone mention, but is extremely critical difference to me, which is the fundamental definition of Kickstarter is when they say the funding goal is $23,000, if at the end of the time period it's reached $22,999, it does not fund and you are not charged. Correct? Right. Correct. That is not true on Indiegogo if they've selected what's called the flexible funding option. And this is just a little word that's, you know, in there and, and it's not really all that well defined. But you go ahead and you contribute or whatever. As this game has only $550, maybe it raises 1000 maybe it's 2000 It doesn't matter that it didn't reach the $23,000 goal. You are charged. The money is collected. The money is given to them. That I have a problem with. And one thing that's interesting, too, is because I'm looking at it right now on the site. There looks like might have been one of their, I don't know if it's the first or it's one of the first four funders on here. Somebody pledged 355 bucks. And what's unusual about that is that's not one of the pledge amounts. The highest is 300. So somebody put in 55 bucks more than the highest amount. Yeah. And yet they, so to me that screams like it's, they don't have any like extra reward levels where there would make sense for you to do that. Like, okay, pledge this extra amount. Makes no sense. uh, Right. So, I mean, they've almost gotten no pledges, but there's almost no information on the game, but still it's just, if I were to go there and say, Again, just apply Kickstarter logic to this and go, you know, I actually do think the art is pretty cool. And what little there is about the game sounds fairly promising. I happen to know of the guys that are doing this and they have some geek credibility. And the issue, though, is now I go and let's say I pledge that. Well, you know, even even if it was the three hundred dollar level and now they're at a thousand dollars or eight hundred and fifty and that's it. That's all they ever raise. I'm still charged that money. If they could produce the game on $500 or $1,000 or $2,000 or $10,000, then why is the goal $23,000? Right. So that doesn't, it makes me fear in experience here that they don't either understand even the, the rules to which they set up the campaign or that otherwise what's going to happen to my money in, in those cases where they just don't simply don't have enough. I now have to one one on one, everybody has to go and kind of work out a refund with the actual potential publisher. I don't, I just don't like anything about that. And these things about Indiegogo have me worried about backing anything there. And I, and I almost wonder how many things do get back there. I mean, I've heard of only a couple of board games, even that, uh, that have gone through there, and they're certainly not ones that I would have uh, risked. Now, now that doesn't say every Indiegogo campaign is set up that way. They have the more traditional Kickstarter ones, uh, but just something to look out for. If you see the words flexible funding, I'd be very careful uh, 
to uh, to back it early. So just wanted to put that out there since I, I think a lot of people didn't realize that. Any, any newsworthy items this week, Rob? Yes, sir. What you got? A um, couple things. Uh, first off, I, I wanted to mention that this was just released, that for everybody who's been waiting for the Doctor Who card game that has been in the works for some time, it's been uh, in the works by, uh, I guess it's kind of like a smallish uh, publisher in the U.K., uh, they are called Cubicle 7, I think. Cubicle 7 Entertainment. Okay. So they've been uh, tasked to publish this game designed by Mr. Martin Wallace. Uh, I think we've all heard of him, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's out for pre-order right now. You get a 10% discount for pre-ordering this thing. And what's really amazing is that at 10%, I mean, so the game's $30, which is fairly reasonable for a card game. And the card game is, uh, I believe it's 132 cards, a bunch of tokens. Um, it's, I mean, it's pretty reasonable for what you get. Uh, it's 30 bucks, 10% off, brings it to $27. And shipping from the UK is only $2.70. Nice, nice. Like, wow. Now, do they have a collector's so, edition that I can buy for like triple that? <laughs> possibly and it might have uh some i don't know sleeves yeah <laughs> what would you have with that yeah no i, I guess they I, a card I guess they're not doing it this time because it's it's more the yeah. mass market appeal yeah and usually those martin wallace ones that have that they're from uh, his company yeah actually he said he he wasn't sure they would ever be able to do that because he's he shut down the warehouse where they where they right. did all that stuff he's in the middle of moving yeah, so something. unless he uh finds a new warehouse or otherwise puts the money into that in malaysia or wherever it is he's going uh we may not see any more collector's editions and speaking of which okay so he's moving to new zealand correct yeah Yeah, it's over in that part of the world i think it's (laughs) forget exactly where i mean he they may as well be on the (laughs) moon from from our perspective (laughs) compared to the yeah i mean I, i wonder if they were to set up shop down there, because I bet he's pursuing some kind of business license and so forth when he moves down there. But I wonder what the shipping would be to come from Australia versus the UK to come here to the US. Yeah, I don't know. I would, One would hope he's, he's done all the numbers on that and, higher. and uh, has found it to be more favorable, not less favorable. But Yeah. But then again, most some of these games, you know, they go from China to wherever and then they get shipped. So yeah, and, and who knows? I mean, maybe there's a local manufacturer or some kind of angle there where, by uh, by living there, he's got some better in on uh, uh, better manufacturing, lower manufacturing cost, and and that factors in even maybe yeah. if shipping is a little bit more or something like that. So, I, I clearly okay. he knows something that, that the rest of us don't. So uh, you can pick up the game for thirty dollars if you pre-order, which is pretty darn reasonable. I was. Very much on the fence. I almost pulled the trigger mm, to get it because the game's yeah. going to be out. My problem is I'm not in the next couple a of big weeks. Doctor Who fan. Doctor oh, Who I don't. Knows. I don't dislike it. I'm. In fact, I'm one of those people that everyone swears don't exist because you're either you love Doctor Who or you hate it, and I'm just somewhere in between. That's okay. I, I won't think I watched the old show. You know, obviously, quite a bit as a kid, 
Yeah, we all grew yeah. Up like I mean, that. I just have not really ever spent. I don't watch much TV in general, right? I've I've got the virus too bad. So you're too I infected. Just, it's uh, I just start itching and stuff when I watch TV. I'm like, I gotta go hold a board game or something if I if I've got the time, uh, and that's that's more soothing to me. So. Yeah, and on their website of the pre-order for Cubicle Seven, you know they. Uh, They've got the rules on there, so you can you know check out the rules, and it looks like it might be pretty interesting. That's what'll sell me. The, the gameplay There's has one... to be good in it. If the gameplay is good, then then I'll, uh, I'll definitely look into it. But if assuming it's more just around the theme and it's so so average, simple gameplay, eh, it's probably you know definitely I'll leave it to somebody else to get it. I'll try their copy. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's one thing that actually killed the deal for me though. And that is that this game is three to four players only. There is no two. Yeah. So for me, that just, I need these little cards. Yeah, I agree. Cause I've talked about the fillers in the past and the, the fact that I don't hold on to a lot of them. And, and it really is because when I have the time and I, and I do get out quite a bit to go gaming, but I would just all, rather always invest the time into a, a little bit deeper of a game. And there are plenty of, games that are a little bit more involved that still play quicker that you don't necessarily think of as fillers. I don't really need light party type games or, or just light, simple, simple filler games. Unless it's something that I can do when I do have little bits of time, which tend to be at home with my wife. So, um, so that's why the two player filler designation is, is definitely important to me too. And and this game has a uh, duration of 60 minutes specified. So I don't know if it's really super light. It looks like it might be a you know a fairly decent. It's, it's one, light you know, for a, game a Wallace game. Kind of goes what it is. So that yeah, that's true. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I we'll see. We shall see. Once it turns up, so check it out. You know, it's going to be out in the next probably two months or so if everything goes okay and it doesn't slip because they say due August to September and uh, thirty bucks. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention uh, fairly quickly was that about two, three weeks ago, Yukata redid. Oh yeah, you know I ranking I, system. I didn't even notice that because I was done with my last game. We talked about that, yeah. and I went back there. It was like almost yeah, right it, after. See, that. I, I talk about all these all these uh, entities being in in line with me, but uh, there it goes. You know, multi, multi, multiple years. I've got games running. I finally decided to end my run at Yucata, at least for a while. And, and literally, what was, it might have actually been the very day. I'd have to check the date. The, well, go ahead. What did they do? It was shocking to me to go back there and find this out. So they redid their entire ranking system. And they say it's for the better. And, and I could definitely see that. However, the one thing that really irked me mm-hmm. bad... <laughs> And I'm I'm still bitter about this a couple of weeks later is, you know, I'd been playing on and off for quite some time and I'd been a member. Yeah, you, you were you were up, you know, up like in one or two like years. level eight or nine rank or whatever. I was, I was counselor and I was just about ready. I mean, all I needed was to finish. No, I needed like yeah, 10 I more points. Yeah, I ruined it for you because I beat you at a game. To, actually, yeah, it <laughs> was know. your fault. Because no, I, I needed like 
seven and games. I, I emailed him and I, I said, had, "Hey, can like, you do you something know. about this, Rob? You know, he's been trying to get this next level up, and I, I went and beat him again, and I just feel bad about that." So I don't need a pity level. Well, I, I said, I said, don't, don't, don't do it out of pity, but do, do something <laughs> about this. And and so, what did they do? Yeah, you haven't said yet. I mean, what was the big thing they did? Okay. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. So I, I just needed like 10, 15 more points to reach. I think it's yeah. Temple Servant. So I don't this, even remember. This is the next one up. Because I think we were both we were. counselors, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Yeah, you gained on me because I had been kind and, of steady. Yeah. And they reset everything and they put me down to Zero. the lowest level. They zeroed everyone. No, well, not everybody. Almost everyone. Almost everybody. I didn't really care that much to actually do some research into it, but my wife, who's an who's a regular player on there, she was like a couple levels up. So it seems like if you were within the first six levels, maybe you stayed there, but if you were above that, you got zeroed out. So that's bogus. <laughs> I mean, well, if, they they claim were like, they claim say at the seventh people level, were gaming the system, and I, I, some of my complaints before did delve that way when I talked about okay, like roll through the ages and this sort of borderline exploit where they would they would only play new right. players and there's still there's a point at which quantity or whatever the you know the the numbers and math behind it was figured out enough that they knew how to basically play and always win and they weren't really winning because they were the best player they just knew how to game the right. system and therefore like anything like uh you know the people that played Xbox games just for the gamer scores into the billions or they do the boosting. Uh, you know, th- there were people that were doing that on Yucatan. And then it really maybe started to make it less fun for the rest of the people uh, that, that, were, that weren't so uber-focused on just the number. And and oh, so, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh, actually kind of okay with it. But it's probably as much because I, I planned on hanging up on it for quite some time anyway. So, exactly. uh, so it's maybe not fair for me to say. Yeah, so I, I was kind of miffed about it, and I mean, it it doesn't take very long to advance. It's actually very simple, but it was just kind of bogus how it seemed like certain people got dropped down to zero, other people stayed. They should have just wiped everybody. Well, everybody yeah. except me. <laughs> I love my counselor status. Anyway, that was just it. I just wanted to mention that about Yukata. Uh, nothing real. Yeah, well, again, that's like when you when you play uh, play one of those games where you can't save, you know, mid anywhere, just anywhere. You can only save at certain points, right? And then you've at the crystals. Yeah, and then you whatever. play for. Uh, yeah, actually, you know, that's another thing that ruined me on video games. I, what was the? There was a zombie game where you're in a mall, and uh, you're hitting people with that like, cash registers and stuff. You know the one. Dead Rising, no. maybe Dead Rising or something. I think it was Dead Rising. Okay. One of those. Anyway, uh, there's the save mechanic in that game is there's only certain points in the game where you can actually save it. You just can't go, oh, it's dinner time. I'm going to save, save. Right? You have to get to a certain point. And so you could actually play for well over an hour, an hour and a half, something like that. And if you didn't beat that last boss monster and get to that special location, 
then you had to go all the way back and and play from that last point forward. And I just I absolutely loathe that in video games. That can be real frustrating. Yeah, I just don't like going through the exact same thing. It, it, I don't I don't have the time for over it. Over and over and yeah. over. Yeah. Um so yep. That's uh that's kinda how I feel here as like wow, you know, all that all that time put in. You know, there's little rules like you have to play different games and uh, you know, maybe it was easier for me because I like a wide variety of games, but there's some that I'm I'm a little done with, at least in the Yucata versions. I, I still very much love the board game version, but I really don't want to play XYZ right. on there again. So now the thought I've got to start over, I got to play a, a wide variety of games, which means some of these that I really didn't want to play anymore. And yeah, so it, it worked out okay for me because now I'll just have that much more reason to, to stay away for a, a while. Maybe when they release some new game, maybe it's, that interests me or something. That then I'll, I'll I'll probably pick it up again. That that move is equivalent of Jeff Repellent. Yeah, there you go. Of sorts. Well, which which okay. is what I did so, with that video game. It was it was so frustrating that I actually I just sold it and re-downloaded the demo, and I'm like I could get my my uh, five minute hit zombies with cash register fix just playing the demo, <laughs> and I don't have to worry about getting caught up in, in hours upon hours of replaying the same thing. And then you can use that money to Ooh, buy board Exactly. Games. Yeah, which is what I did. This week, uh, one of the more notable things that I've gotten to the table has been uh, a pretty cool little game called Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small. It's a, a fairly small form factor game by Uwe Rosenberg. So I, I was actually kind of curious to see what, what, what is the size of the box. It's, so it's not the Agricola size box? Oh, no. It's uh, it's approximately the size of a Cosmos. Oh, player. wow. Okay. It's, it's fairly small. So maybe like, you know, six, seven inches square, but maybe an inch and a half. But it's still like $30 retail or something like that. 32 bucks, somewhere around there. Uh, I think retail is 40, but online it's more like 25 bucks. And it's fairly reasonable. And the game is pretty darn cool. It's a two player only game. It follows the Agricola um, style of game where you have your pastures, you have your animals, and basically what you wind up doing is you have your own farm, there's a central game board, you have your resources, which are four types of animals, sheep, cows, horses, and pigs, and then you have stone, wood, and reeds. So what you wind up doing is you wind up collecting your resources so you can essentially buy materials to create pastures to kind of, you know, fence in your farms. And then you get animals, you put them in there. There's certain ways that you can organize them in there. Like a regular spot can only regular pasture space can only hold two animals. And there's ways to upgrade that with food troughs uh, and a couple of buildings you can get to uh, get additional pieces 
in there. And it's a really delightful little game. I can't believe I actually delightful. was delightful. <laughs> it's delightful. It is an awesome little game. It's it's fairly quick. Uh, I played a couple of games of it. Most of them ran about 45 minutes oh. or so because okay. I was teaching it. I would say you could probably do it in about a half hour or so, which is the box time on here. That's what it says in the box. So it's two players, runs about 30 minutes. The production quality uh, is is pretty darn good. Um, it doesn't have an insert like most of uh, of his uh, games of, of late. Uh, it doesn't have an insert. It's got a board, a bunch of expansion boards, and two bags of a ton of little pieces. All fairly good quality. The boards are thick uh, cardboard. Well, not super thick, but, you know, average size thickness. And it smells awesome. <laughs> I love that new oh, board yeah. game smell. Yeah. If, if you know what I'm talking about. And it's got that. Not all games have this, but it's that, I call it the lookout board game smell. <laughs> okay. Because like Aura at Labora had it. and Is that uh, wet ink smell or something else? Let, let me take a hit. <laughs> oh, it smells awesome. I don't know what it is. It's Yeah, it's probably the Well, ink, I challenge you to take, take, a, take a, a game and put it away for about 30 years and then bring, break the shrink. Open the pop open the box top and then smell it, and that that's a smell you won't forget, because it, it, that nice new ink or paper cardboard smell, trapped in a box for thirty years, yeah, it's it's a little different. You sound like you speak from. Oh, experience. I do. <laughs> I went and I, I on eBay. I I yeah. did the card the cardinal sin or whatever of I, I I looked up an old Avalon Hill game that I that I really wanted, found an in shrink copy. Um, you know, he wanted, wanted that, uh, perfect copy, but fully planned on playing it, tore open the shrink, uh, took one whiff and like, oh, this is disgusting. And, uh, then I kind of realized I didn't really have much interest in playing the game and, uh, turned around and sold it again. So I've ruined, ruined, uh, one of the few pristine copies of a, of a game. So. And that cycle probably repeated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody got it and they're like. Wow, what does this guy's house smell like? <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> right. It's, uh, yeah, it was probably shrink wrapped, well, slightly damp or something too. It wasn't. It wasn't really exactly moldy or anything, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so going back to uh, the Agricola, all creatures, big and yeah. small. So the gameplay actually plays very quickly, which is awesome. And I actually broke it out at lunch. Uh, with yeah, you mentioned you were going to try co-worker. that. So how did that work out? Yeah, it was awesome. He enjoyed it. Uh, he didn't really know what hit him in some respects because this is like the first Euroish game so that you he's win? ever played. Uh, yes, I did. So, so see, now he, he he's like to you what you were to me with a few of these. No, nah, see, I, I I took it fairly easy on him. You know, I I didn't just slam him like. <laughs> Like how you do me? I like annihilate them. <laughs> that's only nah, that's I'm only a couple of times. But but this is one of those games, especially if you if you're not familiar with euros. There's just so much to it, just because you're collecting resources. You're you know you're laying down walls for your pastures. You're trying to collect animals. For people that are seasoned euro veterans, 
you know, planning your stuff out in advance is, is normal. But for somebody who, you know, their board gaming consists of maybe like Monopoly sure. or Trouble. Yeah, the long-term sorry. planning part you just you're not accustomed to. Yeah. And even and even in video games, also, that's another, you know, point of difference, right? Is you're very rarely thinking about something far, far along. Thinking oh, for about sure. The yeah. immediate moment, maybe, uh, you know, 10 seconds ahead. And one thing that would trip him up, which I kind of helped him out with, was that at the end of every round, so every round, each player gets three turns and you have these discs that you place down, you know, and you block off the action square for the remainder of that round. Uh, at the end of that round, if you have two or more of any particular animal, they have a baby. So you get an additional. So if you have three sheep, you know, you get one extra sheep. You know, if you have eight pigs, you get one extra pig. So you only get one of each animal, but you have to have room to store it. So that was another consideration, you know, that he had to really get used to was, you know. Family planning. You're planning. Yeah. You know, you don't have a room for the the baby. You know, it's it's just not going to work. Yeah. You got to make room for the baby. And if you don't have room for the baby, then it runs away. So it's gone. And you lose the points because you score points, your victory points or, or whatnot are calculated by the animals that you have. So you have to count up all of your animals. And the if I was to knock anything about the game, it's the scoring. It's kind of clunky, but I don't know if they could have done it any better because the scoring is done based on a couple of things. So you count all of your animals and then you get bonuses based on the amount of animals that you have. For example, with sheep, if you have 8 to 10 sheep, you score one extra bonus point. If you have 11 to 12, you score two, and so forth. I mean, it it continues up from there. If you have only, if you have less than three of an animal, then it scores you, or three or less of an animal, it scores you minus three points. So, there's kind of, you know, it forces you to get animals. Does it feel but, like Agricola, like a like yeah. a lighter two-player version of Agricola? It's it, it's it's a very light game and it's very enjoyable. I I I really enjoy this game. It's it's a perfect lunch game, although they can run kind of long if you're explaining it at least for lunch. But you know, like I said, the thing I would knock would be the scoring. Just because, it, like I said, it, it feels kind of clunky just based on, yeah, because yeah, there's so many harder, things. Harder you got to count the animals. To, you got to newer gamers for as light of a game as it might be. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've I've got my copy gotta, on, on pre-order, so I've I've yet to even lay eyes on it. It's cool. I I, I bet you're. Does, does oh your yeah, wife like, yeah. This uh, that's the. I'm sure she'll. Well, I won't say sure. Score. She'll love it, but from what you're saying, sounds like she'll lo- like she'll, a lot. Yeah, I, I I bet you like it. I'm actually kind of excited to show and, this to my and wife. Games, I, I really hope games that are meant it. for a specific number of players tend to be better on average because, and this is something I've said a lot. This is actually my counter to when someone you know, quick segue here when someone says you have to play a game x times before you review it or before you comment on it or whatever the case might be. Well, if you're gonna poke fun at that and go, okay, you, you have to play it. Let's say it's, it's six or eight or 10 times. These are common numbers. Well, let's say you played the game with all of those plays were with two players, but the game is really 
was meant to be a four-player game, then what difference does it make that you played it that many times, right? By comparison, maybe you've only played it two or three times, but it was with the ideal number of players. Maybe now you're overwhelmingly positive and, and, and so forth, right? So just saying that uh, your opinions or experiences with a game might be different than mine simply because of the number of players you've played with versus the number of times you've played it. There's infinite possible other factors that that skew it, it where game number of plays is, is one, but it doesn't always have to be the most important one. And so where I was going with that is, yeah. so then you have a game like, the, like the, well, any of the Cosmos games, right, that are two-player only, where you've just got, right. a, and are also quicker games, so, uh, which is another thing, too, where different people have different thoughts to what is too long of a game and that type of thing. So um, that sometimes affects people's opinion. But when you have a game that's kind of meant at that 30-minute mark, it's meant for two players, you've kind of lo- eliminated some of these other reasons for differences in opinions, and now you're sort of evaluating it more on equal ground, one person to the next, and then it really is just about the game within these set parameters. And, and so uh, as you have, once you've played it, you know, whatever, if it's, it's been three or four times, uh, I think it's it's much more likely you have a fully formed opinion uh, quicker, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. So Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small, for me, gets a double thumbs up, and I'm really curious to see what you think of it. It's fun. It's It's fairly light. It's quick. What more can you right. ask? You know, just actually one more thing. Oh, yes. One more, <laughs> one more thing I want to mention uh, about the scoring. They do give you a pad, a scoring pad with, you know, maybe like uh, 20, 30 sheets on it that can kind of help you add up the numbers, but I don't know how much it helps. <laughs> Scoring's still right. kind of clunky. But other than that, I mean, the game gets four stars. Cool. All So the game I want to talk about this week is called Dominant Species, the card game. And the, this was this is part of the reason for that quick detour uh, that we just had on, on Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small, because what I wanted to say, and I had said this about Ground Floor, and, and in fact my, re- my review of Ground Floor came off probably a little overwhelmingly negative sounding because of it, uh, but I think too many games are trying to sell to the most uh, actually i said this about um gunship as well as a lot of these games are trying to be the game for everyone now and, and claiming oh every, you know everybody will like this game it doesn't matter whether you're this type of player or that type of player and two people can play it and six people and 50 people you know it plays all ranges and all this and that as opposed to just trying to decide what it really is and is good at it's good for three or four players only it's good for two or three only why you know everything's got to have this wider player range now and that that's something i've noticed that i, I don't think was always that way and uh, in the case of ground floor i thought i thought it was just a, a, almost appalling that they would put two players on the box it was that awful to me as as a two player game and similarly as a six player game it was just ridiculously long and so now that's kind of the same thing I'm I'm going to say about Dominant Species. The card game is I just don't understand why they put two players on the box. I, I, and that's why I, I, and there's been a couple other, you know, 
couple other people that maybe the game didn't work as good for as they wanted it to. But I'm not going to say it's a bad game. I'm just going to say that I, I feel shorted a little bit in the player range that's on the box because it's this two to six player game. And again, in exactly the same way as ground floor with two players, it, it feels like most of what's going on is missing. So it really, it really should say three as a minimum. And with six, it's, it's a, almost too long for what it tries to be again. And, and therefore this is another game that really should probably say three to five for me the box but to get to the game itself i don't have any problem with the theming of it now some people have complained that it's this really doesn't feel in any way like dominant species and i thought that was good even dead on i mean it is a simple simple game and for a simple game there's only so much theming you can have the 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 theming does come out in the artwork it does come out in some of the specialized cards that you play uh you know it has it doesn't have any real mechanics that borrow from the full board game, but that's different. I, I don't think that's a requirement to say that it's related to the other game. Uh, it's enough that it shares the overall theme, the artwork, and some of that sort of thing. So that was that part I didn't find a problem. It, it didn't fail at my expectations for that. If if I we'll talk about the things I didn't like first. If uh, if there was something besides the whole two and six player thing that I didn't like, I would call it that lack of tension points that I've brought up for other games, which is that uh, really the way that this game plays is it's another game, and I'm very predisposed to like this game because I like I love games, in fact, where you play cards on either side of an objective card that you're trying to win. So you're playing numerical numerical okay. cards. You know, there may be, may be a three, it may be a six or whatever. You play it on your side. Your opponent plays it on their side. And whoever has the highest total wins that card as a prize, right? There's a lot, of, a lot of games that work that way. I like most of them. Um, I have an, a like a worker placement sort of thing. I have maybe an above average number of those that have stayed around. So I clearly find uh, something I like in that. So here the catch is that, uh, well, first of all, you're you're just given a certain number of cards at the beginning of the game, and they're whatever value they are, whatever animals they are. Uh, but the the card that you're playing for in the center will have uh, well first of all there's ten rounds in the game so the first round the card is only worth one point the tenth round it's worth ten points now each card will have one creature that's a bonus so let's say it's snakes if you play a snake that's a, a four then it's actually worth a five because that's the bonus creature for that uh, uh, terrain they they have a fancier word for it but we'll call it terrain to keep it simple for people. Then okay. there's another one, and maybe it's insects, that's a negative. So then when you play a four in the insect, it's really a three. And and it's that simple. And so then you're playing cards, your opponent plays cards. Uh, but now you only draw two cards a turn. So what will happen is if you play are playing more cards to try to win to the higher total, then you're going to run short on cards. And as you get into the later rounds that are worth more points, you're going to have less total cards to play than your opponent, and you're still only drawing two. So that's sort of the the decision point. Now, in addition to that, though, each of those terrain cards will have symbols that match. You know, maybe there'll be three water symbols or uh, two cattle skulls. And then um, you, you have other symbols on your number cards that you're trying to match up. And whoever has the most of those, regardless of who wins the card, will get bonus points. It's usually three, two, or one. And so it's kind of like saying a secondary objective, right? The primary objective is winning the card, 
the secondary objectives is trying to get the most of these um, little symbols matched. And so you could still, okay. you could still potentially, uh, so let's say even in round one, it's the winning the card's only worth one point, but you might get three or five out of these other symbols. Uh, and so it becomes more important earlier on, less important later on in point totals. And that's definitely an interesting thing. And the last thing that happens is certain cards will have the ability to uh, damage your opponent's cards. So it'll have a little insect with a slash through it. And when I play that one, I can pick an opponent and I can turn his card upside down, which reduces the value to, to some lower level. Uh, and that's that's basically the whole game. There's some nuances to scoring and uh, some some reshuffles and, and, a, and a couple bonus points at the end. But but that's basically it. The the number of rounds you win course correlates to a bonus number of cards you get at the very last round. So there's some reward for still winning in the early rounds and, instead of just letting those pass and, and saving up uh, or that's the thought anyway. Uh, but but there's it's not a terribly complicated game. And so uh, that's the background to the game play. Again, going back to kind of my my complaints, we'll call them minor complaints. But uh, there is a lack of what I like to call tension points or decision points. And uh, that's where you, you, you have maybe two choices and you're going, oh, I don't know, I kind of want to do both things. I don't know which one I should do. I really wish I could do everything. And that doesn't come up so much because gameplay, because it is a simpler game, uh, most of the time, what you're going to want to do is, is pretty obvious, or it's more of a total guess. Uh, one thing they do a little bit to mitigate that is you can see the next card that's going to come out. So maybe maybe this one has a bonus to eagles, and you have a lot of eagles, so you hold back. Uh, really, I don't know why they don't just lay them all out. That would probably be preferable to me, so you could see the entire... And a lot of games do that. You've got the entire 10 rounds of cards. You can kind of see where things are at. You can kind of... Uh, plan strategically better that way uh, maybe that would be an interesting variant but uh, the the real the real tension point in the game is whether to play at all or simply pass and that's really what it comes down to is you look at you look at that you look at your cards and go well i simply don't have any eagles and i and i don't really have any water so there's really no point in me even playing this turn so i'm just going to pass i'm going to let the opponent win I'll, I'll play for the next one. Oh, I don't really have anything for the next one. Yeah, I'll just pass this time. Or maybe I throw down one card uh, just to see if I can win it. And then the opponent, you know, they, they play more. And you can see where this is sort of a problem in the two-player game too, um, as opposed to playing with more. So, uh, you know, that even that is, is typically pretty obvious. And maybe it's a gut feeling that there'll be something later on that you're not seeing uh, or maybe it's simply that it's almost always better to save when in doubt because later rounds are worth more points. Uh, so I, I didn't care for that as much, not enough tension points. Uh, the, the take that portion, which works, seemed a little too random because I, if, I, if I need to hurt your insect, I either have that card or I don't. And since you're only drawing two cards per turn and there's only 10 turns in the game, there actually aren't all that many cards coming into your hand. So you either kind of get the ones that do this or you, or you don't. And uh, the other problem with the take that element again in two players is that there's no decision point there because obviously you're going to play it against your opponent. When I played with my wife, obviously I'm going to play against my wife and I'm going to damage her creature. Uh, so exactly, yeah. when you, when, and I did the first game I played with more and I play when I, when you do play with more, then you, and especially with a lot more, uh, 
Um, so, so not even three, but if you play with the four or the five, now that's a decision point because you go, okay, well, hmm, let's see if I, if I damage his insect, then that knocks him down and it also re reduces a water. So maybe even if I don't think I can win the total, I probably got the max, you know, the, the majority in, in the water symbols. So, uh, that's good. Or, or I could play against him. And, and so it adds a decision point to the game. And I like that, uh, which doesn't happen in the two player game. So, um, so that was an issue for me again with the lower player counts. Uh, the, the biggest plus is actually that it does play five and six and higher counts of, of players, which most of the games that are like this don't. And it was sort of terribly pointless with two. Uh, so again, the sweet spot for me was sort of the four to five player number. Uh, but you know, it's, I, I, I coming from a person who typically doesn't mind the more manageable randomness in games and, and loves card games like this. I, I still found this one to just be a little too unacceptably random where it was more of that chaos factor game where you, you get what you get and you're just trying to figure out the best way with the hand that you got to, to do something. And the problem though, is that most of the time the something that you're doing is again, either obvious or, or a total guess. And the interesting decisions don't amount to enough. And, and so I started thinking more ab about, well, let's say, let's just say this. I've also won every single game of this I've played and, and they weren't satisfying wins. The, so the first game, the very first game, I was dealt a ton of the event cards and on your turn, you can only play one card. So you either play a number card or an event card and it kind of goes around until everyone's passed. And because I had a ton of event cards, I was basically passing all the early rounds because I simply didn't even have any creature cards to play. Uh, that amounted to anything. And so then when it got to later rounds, I started looking at it and going, well, I'll just save most of these and, and, and play for the number when the numbers really matter. And so I, I did that. And then in combination with the other cards I had drawn, and I basically just dominated, no pun intended, right? And it, yeah, I won, good. but it, it really wasn't that, that satisfying. And, you know, I didn't feel like I, ooh, that was really tricky and clever of me. And then another game I played... I drew almost no event cards, but neither did any opponents. And so, and I, and I actually, I couldn't argue that I, I drew a larger percentage of higher valued cards. I really, I just seemed like I had every six and five and they seemed to have the lower ones. And, and I'll mention again, you only draw two per turn, no matter what. So that's just not a whole lot of draws in the game to balance things out. And you know, that, that was sort of an issue for me. I do love sort of that the battle in each card has those secondary objectives so that there is that, you know, you don't have to necessarily play to win it. And, and again, but that's a, an exact example, again, where it works so much better with the larger player counts because that, that just, uh, there's more to look at and more to think about when you, when you have the take that cards and when you're looking at the secondary values and, well, okay, I can, can I win, even get one point or two points out of that? Where does it make uh, sense or is it better to hold back all the cards and just play for later on or is that what all my opponents are doing so i better snatch these while i can Th that just comes out so much more uh better in with the larger player counts but in in the end for me it's just too similar to other better games i've played and prefer uh ivanhoe balloon cup battle line even blood bowl team manager so uh you'll you'll Listeners will probably note most of those games I listed, uh, 
you know, at least two of them play only two. Ivan, uh, Ivanhoe, Blood Bowl team manager play more, but I, I prefer best with two. Um, so that certainly leaves room for a game like Dominant Species, the card game, because it, it is geared towards the higher player numbers. Uh, but, you know, and I, and I don't make any attempt to compare it to its big brother board game, nor does it really scratch any particular itch in that regard. But, but I still, despite the, the things I like about the game, I feel pretty confident in stating the game's no award winner. It's no, you know, you're, 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 you're probably better served trying one of the other games I've, I've recommended first. And at the same time, there's not really anything wrong with it. It's just, I don't, I don't know that it really does anything that's that unique for me. And I think it's that ultimate example of the game that if you, if you get it, you're going to play, it's going to get played a bit. And it's going to go on the shelf and it's going to be that game that in, you know, two years or three years time, you, you, you notice again and go, wow, I, I haven't actually played that since. And, and you kind of realize there's a reason for it. So, um, that's, right. that's dominant species, the card game. So not, nothing really wrong with it other than it's, I don't think it's, I wouldn't recommend it in any way, shape or form for two players. Uh, but you know, not the most spectacular game either. But you know, I you know, I will say, GMT, they they've done, they need to do more Euro games. I really, uh, on average, the Euros they've put out are are, are pretty darn interesting, and uh, I'll say especially thematic. I mean, that was the the brilliance in Dominant Species, the board game, right? Is it just how much theme was in it? I talked a lot about. Uh, well, Maybe I need to talk more. I'll do a full review of Ivanhoe because by comparison, that's a game where you're playing it for numbered cards where I very much love the game and thought the theming did work well. Still paced it on a bit, but, you know, they're lighter games. There's only so much you can do. Um, but for what it was, that one had more. Um, and I started thinking about it uh, a bit more uh, just today. I had, a, I had a long commute home, and I was trying to trying to think of the best reason i could give for what where this game broke down for me and it's interesting you mentioned with agricola all creatures big and small the scoring thing and that's what that's the light bulb that went on for this one that's if there's something they've they've missed that's the the difference here because if i look at all those other games balloon cup very intricate interesting scoring mechanism where you're competing for the balloon that's very straightforward but very very much a part of how you play the game Ivanhoe has a similar thing with the chits. There's colored chits, and there's a way that one's a wild, and there's ways that you can manipulate that, and it, it factors into the game. Uh, battle line, there's a bunch of different things where with the different uh, battles that you win in a row and just the moving the pawns back and forth. Blood Bowl Team Manager has uh, variations of a couple of those things. Those all are fighting battle games with numbers, but they have that other kind of clever thing around scoring. And here, what you have in Dominant Species, the card game, is this sort of age-old track around a little card that goes up to whatever, 40, 50, or whatever it is. And you you lose a sense of wh- where what you're doing even matters because everything just seems to score points. It's one of the, you know, okay, well, I got 10 points, and he got 3, and I've got 6, and now you've got 9, and 4, and 5, and 6, and you're just you know, you're pushing these cubes up on this this long long track it feels out of place for what is otherwise this super 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 light game i, I think it, it needed instead some sort of simpler clever scoring mechanic and so for me that's maybe the fail of where this could have been uh, a brilliant brilliant game and and uh, 
that and some sort of two-player variant that that more specifically uh, added uh, tension points and decision points to the two-player game. So, I mean, that's interesting that you mentioned that about the two-player aspect because I was seriously considering this game, uh, you know, partly because of the two-player aspect of it. And now that you explained it like you did, I'm probably going to be reconsidering whether or not I you know, want to spend that. Well, well, think about it. So like I said, the, the two tension points in the game, one totally doesn't exist. There's no take that choice. It's always going to be about against your opponent. So that's obvious. The, right, right. the, the only possible thing is that if your opponent doesn't have that creature and you do, then it affects you. So you'd have to think about that. Do I really want to play it? But the other thing, which is holding back the cards, that's the other decision point with multiple players you're not just giving it to your opponent because they're still going to fight for it. There's still other, you know, other thought behind it. But in this one, there literally are always cases, or at least in in our games, there's always cases where you basically just pass because I don't. There's no point in me playing, and I'm just going to go ahead and hand the max points to my opponent. And also, as I read the rules, and I've checked several times, and 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 people seem to be getting this wrong, but in every way that I read the rules, it, it says you can continue playing cards until you pass. So if your opponents all pass and you're the last one left, you could still play two or three cards. So if, if they pass in a two-player game, if they just pass right away, it's not like you get one card play. You can play one card and then a second card and whatever to make sure you score all the points. It may well be worth it. Okay. And so then it just becomes too gamey, but not in that satisfying way. And you know, you see the strategy in any game as you play it a little bit more, but it's just a matter of it has to be meaningful enough. It has to be interesting enough. There has to be the tension points. And I didn't get that in any way from the two-player game. And even at three, I don't think it was enough there. And so, uh, again, it goes to you with, with more players, then the time starts to get longer. And if I'm going to put that kind of time in, then there's just other games I'd rather play because it's still not spectacularly deep. And at the same time, I don't know if it's, necessarily the the first one that comes to mind that I want to get new gamers started on uh, because it is I think it's we'll talk about that for a moment I think it's hard to actually get your for a new gamer to get their head wrapped around how you play this one because you're you're not it's not you can play any card so you know you want to go like oh do I have to play the eagles because it's the eagles are the bonus ones here like no no you can play arachnids if you want to there's just no plus or minus to any of them, and it might be a waste, and the likelihood that the other symbols match up is less, but there's nothing stopping you from doing that. And uh, well, why wouldn't I just keep playing cards? You know, okay, because you want to you want to have this pacing so that you don't run out of cards later in the game, and you know, it's I don't think it's so easy for new players to pick up. It's not not a great gateway filler game, if that makes sense. So. Oh yeah, it does. So that's that's what and it's another one of those games that doesn't really have like this perfect thing category that it fits into for this particular type of group or this particular type of situation or players. But again, still I'm not saying in any way it's a bad game. It's it's um kind of in that somewhere around the the take it or leave it range of might even be a great game if you haven't played and aren't interested in any of those other games that I've listed, or uh, or you or you do never play with two or three, and you're you're really always in that four to five category, uh, and you don't have a lot of battle over numbers kind of games. It it might be worth um, you know chucking this one out then. 
So that's dominant species of the card game. Okay. So that concludes episode number 17 of This Board Game Life. Make sure to check out our website at thisboardgamelife.com and to send us any comments, etc., uh, send that over to contact at thisboardgamelife.com. Okay, and then if you want to uh, leave us a voicemail, then uh, you can call us at 754-444-TBGL, which is 754-444-8245. Also, please join our BGG Guild over at Board Game Geek. Uh, you can find a link to that on our website. And uh, if you subscribe there, you'll be notified of new shows and you can participate in some community discussions and so forth. So, we also have a BGG blog, uh, and that's another place where you can comment and see our newest shows. Also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, and uh, we're also out there on Stitcher. Rob. I'll catch you all later. This episode was recorded on July 24th, 2012. You've been listening to This Board Game Life. There is no antidote for board games. Till next time, this is Jack.